that's to be a sign. Like, oh, you should probably just like focus more on your Maybe you should physicality. Like, do some like, do some, like yeah, yeah. Do, like, do some basic <laughs> like like physical therapy exercises. Not just yeah. some shoulder circles. Like, yeah, like, shoulder like, circles, or, like thirty like, seconds, like, like both ways. Like, well, it's funny too. Is he was kind of on Jake's like ninth grade gym class. <laughs> yeah, dude, I do a war with my kids. Like, stand up. <laughs> Walk around for like the. Oh, you're a gym teacher too, aren't you? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Can you imagine? Wait, are you saying that you were like did some gym? Oh, he. Welcome to the Untapped Trader. Today we're going to be discussing biofarms and vaccines. But today's going to be pretty interesting because we actually have a guest. Matt, you want to say just say hi and say hi, say hi, just say hi, just say hi. hi. All right, there he is. <laughs> so this is, yeah, this is exciting. This is exciting. Yeah, yeah so this is right. the first time we're having a guest on this podcast. It's going to be really great, and we're just going to discuss it like we usually do about different industries. This time it's just focused on biofarms in general and also looking to the vaccines. So today we're just going to be discussing. Just some general COVID vaccines and kind of what goes into that. And then we're going to be break, breaking into like big players and then kind of expand into the biofarms and then just kind of discuss the industry direction and kind of where we think it's going to go. Discuss some of the bearish and bullish stances as well and look for potential plays in that. There you go. All right, cool. Well, let's get, yeah. let's get started. I think, uh, I think a good starting point is going to be on, on Matt. And just kind of getting his take. So seeing where he is as far as his trading experience and history. So with that being said, why don't you just kind of give us a little breakdown of um, your trading experience and kind of where you started and what actually convinced you to jump into trading. Um, so I started back probably about six months ago in August. Um, I was just talking to you a bunch about trading and kind of sort of interested in it. Just watching different companies and how they're kind of playing out in the vaccine world. And, uh, yeah, I don't know, just hopped in and basically started buying companies that I kind of had experience, like, in their fields. Yeah, because you work in that industry, right? Yeah. So, currently, I'm just working on a vaccine for dengue virus, um, which is kind of, like, made me learn a lot about vaccines and vaccine development and different types of vaccines. And then after that, um, so when I was, like, looking at, like, different COVID vaccines that were coming out, I kind of had... A lot of knowledge of in the field already, and like I personally work with protein-based vaccines, which is similar to how Novavax's vaccine works, and that's like why I really believed and hopped into that company pretty heavily at first. All right, and I think you're you're kind of hitting upon like style of trading. I think everyone's pretty unique in their trading styles, and you in, in particular, you focus a lot on like in the borrow farm industry beyond you just having like a lot more knowledge than the average individual. Is there something else about that that made you want to focus on biofarms? Yeah. So basically back in March, I was invited to a conference on COVID and I, that's like when I first heard about Novavax um, and their protein based approach to vaccines. And from there, I kind of just watched them climb from $7 to $180 a share within a uh, very short window about uh, two months and I was like damn that's really large returns on investment and I uh, probably should have bought in then and I didn't when I first heard about them but as they came down off their original hype I did buy in pretty heavily and uh, rode that through the phase three uh, trial release in which they like pretty much doubled overnight so that's crazy is that pretty typical 
with like pharmaceutical companies and stuff to just like yeah shoot up out of nowhere yeah so if you watch pharmaceutical companies a lot of times um either leading up to results and depending on the results like immediately afterwards they can like you know have a 200 250 percent run in a single day but conversely if they have um you know there's the other side of it where if the results aren't what people are expecting then their price can drop significantly um so one is uh, pre uh therapeutics where they were initially trading around thirty dollars a share, and their face uh, their clinical trials didn't go quite as anticipated, and they dropped to five dollars a share. Oh my uh, god! The next day, yeah. <clears throat> and so, just for our listeners, I've been talking with Matt on a daily basis because he's one of my good friends, and I've seen his portfolio success, and it's just been immense since he started trading and he's just been like hitting one after the other. And John, like you said, biofarms, like you asked a question about biofarms and how they do. And generally speaking, like biofarms typically go through these crazy surges and tons of money just getting pumped into them. And what I've noticed with Matt is he's somehow able to get in front of all of these like big pumps with all these companies. Um, and from a trading standpoint, like he, I, I'm looking at like charts daily, looking at fundamentals, that kind of stuff. And I guess as far as Matt, like, what is your take on all of that? Like, how much technical analysis do you do compared to, like, fundamental? Or do you just have a completely different approach to that? Yeah, so, you know, we've kind of talked about charts a little bit. And I've learned some from it. But honestly, half the times when you're talking about, like, oh, the RSI or this or that, I'm just like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Happens a lot. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah it's like stirring my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, for me, like, I know very little about the, like, technical side of stocks or anything like that. Um, and for me, I kind of just look for, like, look at the product themselves, look at how they've done in like previous clinical trials, um, and like use my own knowledge of the industry and like drug development. And then from there, uh, make like my decisions. Um, and yeah, I mean, like we've talked about like charts afterwards and you're like, fucking doesn't make sense. And I'm like, I don't know. I just, yeah. For, yeah. For those of you that <laughs> you already know me, I'm like pretty, risk averse i mean everyone that knows me as a trader i'm really risk averse when it comes to it so like seeing matt hop into these plays i just can't do it like i just can't stomach it and yet like here he is like just blowing up like crazy and i'm over here like just making like you know sense you know i'm like heck yeah and then i see matt and he's just blowing up dude just crazy so it's just it's wild i do remember the last time you told jake and i about Baxart, something matt was telling you about and you were trying to explain to us why we should get into it and you yeah, you, you didn't. I butchered it. Yeah, you no, butchered it. Yeah, I butchered it. You're like, just it's gambling. It's like, what do you mean it's gambling? Like, it's like, yeah, I don't know what's gonna happen. It's yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like trying to tell like Jake and John. I was like, biofarms. Like, this is my experience with biofarms. We never know. And then like, yeah. but then here's Matt with his like ridiculous like portfolio return. I was like, all right. I'm I doing- mean, to be fair, the literally the day of that we all got in, it like went up like. It was like 30, 40. It went up probably more than that, honestly. Yeah, and Matt, I, think I only went up 30, 40%. And you were like, you were in that from like, like so just to be like, like clear with it, Matt was like literally telling me for like months to get into <laughs> it. And like, Matt, would you for, so Vaxart, what was their, like, just go over the price action when you first got in. Yeah, so I first got in around $6 a share. And then I kind of watched it like, hover around six, it kind of dipped to five. And when it was between five and six, that's when I started bugging you. I'm like, hey, like, this thing's going to fucking take off. You should definitely buy in. And, you know, you're like, nah, dude, fuck biofarms. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> all right, say whatever, I'm just go fuck myself. It's cool. Oops. Um, and then from there, you know, it kind of, like, started climbing up and hit, like, $9 a share. And I was like, 
dude, you're fucking missing out. Like, this stock's taking off. And then I was kind of just chilling one day. Like, it was a couple days after Novavax uh, published their phase three data. Uh, so I had a bunch of funds kind of just available. You know, just watching it climb up. There was, like, rumors that they're about to announce their data. They just got invited to a COVID conference with all the big players. Um, so I increased my share significantly, uh, around $11 a share. And from there, it, you know, continued to have, like, 30-plus percent uh, per day increases. And it reached $24 a share uh, right before uh, they, like, were supposed to announce their news. And when they announced their news, unfortunately, there was a really big misconception in both how people interpreted the results. So it came down to the company. Unfortunately, they had, like, a poor press release when they did announce. Um, and because of that, their results were misinterpreted by, like, the vast majority. And then, you know, big institutions saw a chance to kind of drive it down further and continue short selling the stock. So the short interest jumped like, you know, almost a hundred percent in a single day, which was unfortunate because yeah. it just drove the price down. more. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> well, I mean, I was actually reading a book that Jake recommended market wizards. And I was actually just like last night, I read a chapter about a trader who literally uses like zero technical analysis and like fun, not like your standard fundamental analysis where he's looking at like PEs, all that kind of stuff. He just does research. So it's a very similar, and I, I just kept thinking of you, Matt, and how like you just, like does tons of research, finds these little things that like people aren't tracking, like what the actual like company is doing on like a very fundamental level as far as their products and stuff goes. And he's been doing it for decades where he's just been making like, I think his average like annual return was like 60 something percent over his lifetime. And it was like, and he's never like, bothered looking at charts anything like that he just purely goes based off like finding these stocks and finding like good products and that they're actually in their ve- developmental stages and then like letting the money flow in and i think i mean i mean th- to me that's kind of like seems like what you're doing is you're able to find these really like diamond in the rough like a cattle just find a catalyst for a certain company yeah and then people when people start picking it up that's when these things just get like pumped with tons of basically like money makers all that kind of stuff and makes the prices just go crazy yeah i have no idea what a pe is there you go <laughs> <laughs> so I think yeah. I think we have a thing on PE uh, PE ratio PE yeah. ratios and pegs. Yeah, so we'll have but, to look uh, into that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, but like it works. Like I was like, if you do it right, like like what you're doing, like it works. It's I think that's pretty cool, and that's something to capitalize on. Yeah, for um, me, like so, I worked for a doctor for a long time. We had this like 80 something year old patient that had stage four lung cancer, and she started on this drug called Keytruda, and uh, like miraculously, she's in remission. Um, like she should have died. And I was looking into this company called Advaxis, and basically their drug increased the efficacy of Keytruda by like 60%. And I was like, holy shit, like, if that's the case, this company's going to be huge. And I found it at 28 cents a share. So I bought 5,000 shares. And, you know, every couple of days I'll send Josh like a picture update of like Yet again. the growth of the company. And it's like 100%. Josh's like, are you going to sell? I'm like, no, dude, this thing has so much potential. I'm like, hit 200%. Are you going to fucking sell? Nah, dude, it's not even close to done. Like, so you just find it for me, especially like having worked with physicians and like working in the field, I'll like kind of see different like drugs and then like things that like pair well with that drug. And I'm like, damn, that is going to end up being huge. So kind of have like a little bit of faith and hope for the best, I guess. But, you know, even if you want to sell out before the news, like you still get massive gains. Okay. 
So with your trace, I just need like years of expertise in pharmaceuticals, and I should be set. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a real so, profession. So cool. Oh, okay, uh, that sounds like a pretty good deal. Right. Yeah. <laughs> just you know, a degree in biochemistry and then human physiology, uh, and then also go work in the vaccine field for a few years. That's it. Yeah, yeah that's okay. Yeah, yeah I got, I got a decade to spare. Yeah, it should be fine. It's not it that hard. If I could do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Like, when do you get out? Like, when's your tell where you're like, I got the hell out of this thing before it blows up? Or, like, maybe it doesn't, but... Yeah, so, I mean, I guess kind of learned that one, like, recently, uh, the hard way, but there's two ways you can play it. You can either find something that's really good um, and then ride it up right towards when the news is about to drop and then get out. Or, um, you know, how I played with Novavax was, like, I was extremely confident the news was going to be extremely positive and I held through the news and then like it more than doubled in a day. Uh, so that kind of, there's like the two ways to play it. You can either ride it up right to when the news is about to drop, like take all of those proceeds and then just play it safe and sell out or hold through the news and hope that one, the news is good and two, that the market understands what the news actually is and it also it's a lot of faith on society <laughs> I I mean, that's kind of like what we try to do we try to beat the news because uh-huh. we all know once it hits the news and it's kind of too late to kind of really make a lot of money mm-hmm. and all those retail traders kind of get in <clears throat> but i mean yeah that's one way to do it i mean I, the toughest thing i had with biofarms was like trying to chart it the way it would any other stock it didn't work yeah like and- it's just like randomly a stock would be worth nothing and then all of a sudden it's like it's worth like three four times what it was the week before and i just don't understand yeah. I, I think, feel like I missed out. Like, I feel like, all right, well, I can't even look at this anymore. Like, it's already blown up, and then it'll blow up even further. Or the inverse, where it just goes. It's cool, man. I don't look at the charts at all. I just... Yeah, it's <laughs> crazy. Mean, it's crazy. What am I doing looking at charts? Yeah. I'm not even charting anything. Yeah, I know. Like, in my, like, when I first started out, Biofarms was where I was going, just because it was super cheap, and getting these big surges. And, like, it worked out a few times, and then I just started getting hammered, and that's really where my all my scars are coming from, which is why I'm, like, so hesitant <laughs> for no reason to jump in on the, like these trades that Matt's like seeing build up. And then I'm just over here, like n- missing out on like hundred percent plus gains on a daily basis. So, um, I do that to myself, <laughs> self-sabotage of sorts. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you are very conservative. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, um, the volatility of it is just crazy. Cause I, I mean, you told us about Vaxart and that wasn't even one of the, com- one of the companies that was involved with the whole, operation warp speed or whatever that one was like kind of left out right yeah they got a little bit of funding on operation warp speed for like a small trial um and they actually like their stock price ended up getting like hammered back in i think july because like people were claiming that they oversold their role in operation warp speed so then everyone was like oh fuck this company and sold out big and then i found them a couple months after that yeah, they weren't in Operation Warp Speed at the beginning. Yeah, in Operation Warp Speed, what is, uh, we have a little breakdown on what that was. You want me to go into it? Yeah, yeah, break it down. Right, so yeah, Operation Warp Speed, basically it's just development timeline to basically speed that whole process up from uh, the, the phases all the way to, like, eventually the authorization. So Warp Speed, Operation Warp Speed was basically to, intended to decrease vac- the vaccine process from, like, 73 months all the way down to, like, 14 months. Um, and in that process, that, that includes all the developmental timelines from 
a vaccine company standpoint. So getting through those phase, the phase one trials, phase two, phase three, and eventually the authorization and then using um, EUAs or emergency use authorizations um, that basically allow people to use vaccines before they actually get approved by the FDA. So, and I'm, that was kind of like a nutshell, Matt, that I like hit that on the mark kind of, or am I missing some big points? Yeah. So that's why at the beginning of COVID, everyone was kind of like, oh, there's no way a vaccine is going to even come out within like several years. And then they like, and I actually don't know who set it up, but there was like Operation Warp Speed came into existence so that they could streamline the entire process. And you're not actually losing any like of the safety steps that you would normally get in the vaccine development. But you just kind of speed everything along significantly, uh, which ends up being huge. Like, you know, as Josh has said, it goes from being a little over six years in development down to just over one year. Which is insane, a, which is like really fast in terms. So I guess my, my question I had was, do the phases, like the trials and everything, do they get like adversely affected because of like this speed up in process? Or is it just really like just a, a more efficient way of doing it? It's just a more efficient way of carrying through. Like all the safety profiles are still maintained. Um, the only arguable difference in like safety profile is you don't have the really long term uh, study. So like you know in phase one and phase two data, by the time like it hits phase three, like those participants have already been followed for several years. Where now it's like you know a sixty day or ninety day uh, following of them. Um, so that's like kind of the big objection right now of a lot of people with the vaccines is that uh, they're like, oh, well, there's no like long term effects that like people would potentially know about because the whole process was sped up a bit. But in reality, um, how a lot of these vaccines work, I mean, we can go into each vaccine if you want, but how the vaccine itself is working is the injected material is cleared within like within a week at the most and like then just their immune response is what remains hmm so based on your knowledge do you think that there's going to be any negative effects as far as the vaccines go from like a long-term standpoint like in two years if people that got the the pfizer vaccine are they going to be potentially negatively affected by it because I have the vaccine, like, which why is you why that's so wide-eyed. I, like, this is why so... I'm asking. Uh, yeah, so like the Pfizer vaccine specifically, actually, they're seeing that like it's causing some birth defects out of it already. And oh, good thing I can't get birth yet. Um, I don't, don't know. You to, actually, you want to worry about that? It says here your dick's just gonna fall off. Yeah, uh, good. <laughs> Even yeah, you know, reach this, just solve that falls off. Yeah, solve that or, issue uh, altogether. Huh? Some serious shrinkage has occurred. That's a, well, a breath of fresh air. Well, like, like we said, three inches is average, right? Yeah. All right. All right yeah. Right? Three inch, three ladies, hundred yeah. percent. Ladies, right? <laughs> You'll be good. No, uh, I mean honestly, how the mRNA vaccines work. You know, if you read the internet, they'll say like, oh, it's going to backwards incorporate into your DNA and do all this like crazy shit. Like, that's literally physically impossible. If you want to go back <laughs> to like high school biology when they taught you about some mRNA, uh, mRNA is kind of the last step of like processing. And then that's used as like a messenger RNA. So it can then create a protein. So what's happening is uh, they're injecting the mRNA and then that gives your cell the ability to create um the covid protein which then your body's immune system can react to but 
it's not possible for the that mRNA to like be backwards encoded into your DNA and then like become a permanent part of your genome and like split into new cells. It's just in like the initial cell that it's injected into. Um, it creates the protein, and then when that cell dies, the ability like to continue making COVID protein dies with it. So when you said not possible, that's what I'm clinging on to. This is not possible. <laughs> no, no. The one that they injected you with uh, is actually quite lethal, but the rest of the Pfizer vaccine <laughs> are Oh, oh safe. just the specific yeah. Yeah. Pfizer right. one I got. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's got. very comforting. So only time will tell. thoughts on the vaccine market just as a whole do you want me to go i can go first so from like a trading standpoint this is how i see it so i think right now there's because of the operation warts we people just wanted to get the, the vaccines out and we didn't know what was going to happen with the actual virus itself halfway through that process and then it turns out that it, other strains can be you know formed over time and there's already other strains of covid out there so i think a lot of the current Vaccines, And this is me not having the knowledge base that Matt obviously does. But I think that a lot of these big vaccines that are out right now, I think there's going to be other companies coming out with just much better products that are going to be able to fight off COVID in general. And that includes other strains. And so I think from a market standpoint, I think these big hitters are going to be one negatively affected. But on the other side, you're going to have these other companies that are really going to come up and be big hitters because they're having just better vaccines overall. But that's just my take on what I potentially see. I feel like you have to have a lot of prior knowledge like, to be successful. Well, I mean, I, I think we kind of estimated like approximately like at least 10 years at a minimum, right? Of knowledge. I don't know, man. I mean, I showed up to like a couple <laughs> classes in college. <laughs> <laughs> Listened to some of the like lectures online. It wasn't that big a deal. Yeah. So, so Matt, what do you think is going to happen to this COVID vaccine Yeah, market? so I think, you know, using Novavax is kind of the gold standard of the original vaccine um when if you look at like how pfizer and moderna is going to react to the new strains i personally think it's actually going to be worse than how novavax uh novavax's vaccine managed you know 86 percent against the uh the uk strain and then 60 percent against south africa strain um and the numbers on that one seemed a little bit confusing, but if you read into it more, it was actually 60%. It was only down in the 50s when they looked at the HIV patients, which were incorporated into the study, um, which is actually really uncommon for them to incorporate HIV, like immunocompromised patients. Uh, but, you know, the vaccine technology that was used is very impressive, and they can uh, vaccinate the immunocompromised patients with that vaccine. Um, but if you use that one as kind of you know, the baseline to compare the existing vac the mRNA vaccines against. I personally believe that those ones are going to be less effective against the mutant strains than, um, like, first off. And I think that's why, uh, like, numbers weren't specifically published when Pfizer and Moderna started looking into those uh, against the strains. They just kind of said oh, it wasn't very effective. Um because they tried to give negative publicity on Novavax, like, oh, it's only 60%. But 60% against an unknown strain that only became known because during the trial, like, that's actually really impressive still. When you consider that the flu vaccine is only between 40 and 60% effective every year. Um, but then, yeah, building on what Josh said, it does make sense that 
the some of the vaccines which have taken longer to develop um specifically there's one out of india right now and vaxar actually both are focusing on the spike protein as well as another portion of the protein um which they've been calling the n protein or nucleocapsid protein um, which is going to be a more stable portion of the virus which has less mutations and that will help give you a vaccine which should potentially be uh like more useful against protecting against like the new strains that are coming out. Okay, so you mentioned uh, Vaxart, and you've told me quite a bit about it. So it has it's basically like a pill form of the vaccine. Yep. So I wanted I thought the science was really cool behind it. Would you be able to go into it? Yeah, for sure. So basically, the majority of the IM or intramuscular vaccines, uh, what they do is they inject whatever antigen. So in Moderna's case, they injected uh, an mRNA in, and then the mRNA gets picked up, starts making protein. Uh, Novavax injects in uh, purified proteins. They put it with an adjuvant, and they have some special one called M-Matrix. And again, it presents the virus to the immune system very similar to how um, a virus would normally get presented. And it create it simulates an IgG antibody response, which is just IgG is going to be your most common antibody. It's going to be present in your serum or in your blood, just kind of roaming around your body. Um, interestingly, with Vaxart, their uh, vaccine, their pill vaccine, created a um, IgA, which is going to be generally a membrane-bound mucosal antibody. And it generated a T cell response and a B cell response. So, we're all so the rest of us in this room are kind of like losing it. I'm a six so, year old. No, no, no. And so, so because you explain it to us like we're five, <laughs> <laughs> right? So, uh, all right. If we use like a football analogy, okay. We can, <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, now we're talking. Right. Okay. Okay. Right, now we'll wait. All right. <laughs> um, I'm gonna need some help though because I don't actually watch football because you're too busy studying. Right. All this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas we spent hours studying football. Right, right. Okay. So if, if you took all your football time and you studied like some, you know, pharmaceutical stuff, you might actually be able to invest in it just fine. But my fantasy league would suffer. Fantasy That's league. True. And football just ended though, so we're good. Fantasy yeah. league and fantasy league profits would suffer more than likely. I won this year though. Jake and John lost, so. Oh. So Suck Europe. It. Yeah. And can't the other two are just can't losers. Win. Can't win them all. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> or any of them, really. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, I, it's a rebuild season for me. That's oh, yeah. what I'm calling it as. Yeah, I got to rebuild so the So you're going to take the Patriots kind of approach. Yeah, more like the Texans. Uh, yeah, he's more definitely like Texans, more Texans yeah. right like, now. Like, I'm, I'm probably like eight years behind versus like the <laughs> Patriots can rebound in the next year or two. Right. I'm like six year plan. <laughs> so who would be like the like best defensive line for Fox. this Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yep. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay. Um, and who would be like a moderate defensive line? I was thinking like Pats, but unless y'all think. Let's I'll, go Patriots. Let's go Patriots. Let's go Patriots. Yeah, let's go Patriots. Okay. Patriots they're pretty bad. They're pretty up there. All right. So the Patriots are just like a moderate defensive line. So IUG is going to be like a moderate defensive line. It's going to be like just kind of roaming around your body, keeping everyone, keeping everything kind of in check, but nothing too crazy. And then if you think of the Buccaneers as like IgA, so IgA is 15 times more potent than IgG. Um, you know, the drawback to it is that it's 
going to generally be more membrane-bound and kind of just stay in place, where the IgG is freely roaming. But what would you rather have? Would you rather have the Buccaneers, you know, immobile defense kind of at the front door, or would you rather have uh, the Pats defense kind of just like roaming around, hoping to pick everything up as it's floating through? And then when you think about when you take it like one step further or two steps further, actually, because there's like more parts to Vaxart, um, Vaxart generated a strong plasma blast or it's a special type of B cell which goes and lives in mucosa. Um, So who would be like the best? Like, what are the what are the guys that are like kind of in the back? Like a a, back? Let's see corner. Oh, a defensive? Yeah, like a, like a corner or like a safety. Oh, uh, that's what's-his-name from uh, the Rams. Uh, Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey. Lockdown cornerback. Yep. All right. So a B-cell, like this type of B-cell is basically going to be that guy's mom. Just like primed up, ready to give birth to a million Jalen Ramseys. Oh, oh talk about defense, wow. dude. You know, I know what you're talking about because to preface this whole conversation, I watched this anime called Cells at Work. Nice. So I know what you're talking about now. Okay. Right. When you said B-cell. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the football analogy got me. That's why I understand. <laughs> so you just have, like, his mom just kind of, like, you know, in the girdle, ready to pump out a million Jalen Ramseys as needed, but they come out full-grown, like, full-size, ready to just fuck some shit up. Okay. Dad loves some, a, a ton of Jalen Ramseys inside of me. <laughs> inside of me. It's protecting me, yeah. That's why you got the Pfizer vaccine, Josh. Yep, yep. <laughs> and then... Finally, with the Vaxart one, they simulated a really strong T-cell response, which doesn't normally happen in uh, with vaccines either, which is like another really interesting part of this vaccine. And uh, the T-cells are going to be kind of just like little assassins just roaming the body. So if somehow the virus gets past the, the Bucks defense at the, you know, at the door and it gets past, you know, Jalen Ramsey just like roaming around trying to fuck some shit up. You're going to have these little assassins going by, which can pick up on any cell which gets infected with COVID and just tell it to kill itself. And then that cell just dies. So it'd be like T cells would be like the linebacker. Potentially. Or strong safety. Or strong safety. Yeah. Okay, cool. Like Winfield. Like Winfield. Okay, so yeah, so we'd have some some Winfields running around. Okay. Okay, cool. Cool. Um, Versus the classic fact. And then what's interesting, too, is. When they look at lasting immune response, uh, that's generally stimulated like through T cells uh, and B cells. Like they have memory T cells, memory B cells, where uh, like the IgG response, which was you know what was happening like through primary infection of the virus or with the other antibodies, when they're looking at it down the road, like you know four or six months down the road, there seems to be very little of that left, which is kind of the concerning part and um, why a lot of the like the big health officials are saying that you know getting the vaccine isn't going to be the end to the pandemic wow well, that's some knowledge for you broken down in football format too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so so in your in your eyes do you see the vaxart pill <clears throat> being a much better overall like option well i've never heard of a vaccine pill form yeah. So the polio vaccine they actually have as an oral pill or an oral, it's not a pill, but it's an oral, you put a drop on your tongue 
and uh, so the polio vaccine is actually oral currently, but yeah, other than that, there really isn't any pill form vaccines. And you know, after working in a clinic for a little over a year, um, like people are legitimately scared of needles. Um, we've had several people like you know pass out or worried about passing out either during blood draws or during vaccine administration for just like a flu vaccine. So having a pill option, like can one help kind of overcome that? And two, definitely it's just more convenient and easier when you have to roll out a vaccine to millions of people. Is it easier to have like, you know, thousands of nurses there to administer the vaccine or, you know, stop by your local pharmacy or potentially even just open your mailbox and your pill will be kind of waiting for you. Yeah, so looking at looking at Vaxar, obviously it took a huge dip when it released its phase one stuff, and it's like back down to like in the nine dollar range. So from a trading standpoint, do you think that this is going to have a lot more room to grow in the future, based yeah. off of what's happening? So if you look at Vaxar's pipeline right now, um, they currently have a flu pill, which has already com- pretty much completed phase two trials on the monovalent, and is about to begin phase two trials on the quadvalent, uh, you know, vaccine pill for the flu. Um, and that already has a potential partnership, like an option for Johnson and Johnson, or technically it's Janssen, which is like a subsidiary of to pick that up, um, and like carry that through and start distributing that one. Um, and then they're also making a vaccine for norovirus, uh, which would again be a pill vaccine, um, so there's that. And then, you know, even if you like look at the COVID one, the COVID vaccine that they just finished and published their data on their phase one data was actually extremely interesting from a vaccine standpoint, because it did stimulate that T cell and B cell response, uh, as well as a really strong IgA response, none of which has really happened before from vaccine development. Um, so like all three of these things are huge catalysts i think that's like the proper trading term it is uh that catalyst nice <laughs> which could so technical of you i know i know <laughs> yeah yeah i saw that one and i was like oh i know what a catalyst is in chemistry so <clears throat> same thing right <laughs> totally that's <laughs> i mean i'm, I'm I, literally referencing an anime in my head right now when you say I, b cell and t cell i so. killed chemistry <laughs> totally <laughs> i totally killed chemistry yeah. so in chemistry a catalyst lowers the activation energy required to carry out a reaction so like same thing, right? Yeah, we'll go with that. Yes. yes. Yeah, I totally understand all yes. of that. Perfect. <laughs> so, like, all when I'm looking at Vaxart personally, all three of those are like huge potential catalysts. And even like, though the market decided that the um, data published for their COVID vaccine wasn't what anyone was looking for, there's a huge, like, there's a large portion of the scientific community which is actually very interested in it. Um, because of the like other portions of the immune system which were stimulated which other vaccines haven't managed to do before so even if they don't get government funding for like operation warp speed i think they'll get funding from the nih to continue uh looking into like this type of vaccine because you know for a respiratory virus having a strong iga response which protects the mucosal tissue and your lungs is actually a very important thing what are the other what are the other big players we're looking at? Um, well, Matt, are there other players in the biopharm? Doesn't have to be COVID related, but are there other 
biofarm companies that you're currently looking at and why? Um, uh, one that I'm currently following, I mentioned a little bit earlier, was Advaxis. Um, and again, that's just because I worked with a patient that used Keytruda and following the, like, you know, following her regimen on Keytruda, she actually went from, I believe it was late stage three lung cancer into complete remission, um, which was really impressive. And then the early trials with Advaxis actually increased or improved the outcomes by over 60% when partnered with Keytruda. Uh, so to me, that seemed like a no-brainer and like definitely a big win potential. Uh, Do you have any others right now, or are you, just, you currently busy with the, the research portion? Yeah, I'm mostly just doing research on other ones. I have uh, like a couple small positions in companies that are more focused on like the diagnostic parts of health because, you know, the diagnostic like aspect is also something that's like being ramped up a lot. Um, but my big positions are in, you know, Vaxart and Advaxis right now. Very cool. Um, so <clears throat> I, I don't know if I'm going to read that uh, knowledge, base knowledge to like have educated outlooks on stocks are there any etfs i can look at hmm right i mean like what are the biofarm etfs you know that there are i just can't remember them off the top of my head right now because i used to have biofarm etfs because how volatile i mean right like if i just wanted to if i if i have a lot of confidence just in biofarm in general with a lot of things going on that, that that could be a wise less risky play for someone like me right oh yeah definitely i mean It'd be pre- I assume it'd be pretty easy. Like just like literally, you could Google Biofarm ETFs and then look at like what the holdings are and look at those specific companies, and that'd be an easy way for you to like figure out which ETF would be best for you based on which companies you like. One thing I'm curious about is like how all these pharmaceuticals are performing right now compared to like just normal. Like when there isn't a pandemic going on, do pharmaceuticals as a whole perform like this? That's what I was wondering. Are we in like a golden age right now of biopharma or? Yeah, is this like a um, once in a lifetime? Thing? So, so like from my history, like from what I've seen, just through trading biofarms getting like whacked all the time, um, it happens so so much. Like, it, there's a lot of biofarm companies, and it typically leads up to that that data, right? If there's gonna be like some kind of like phase one, two, or three data getting published, there's a lot of pumps that happen and then dumps right before. So, like that didn't surprise me with a lot of these vaccine companies. I think right now vaccine companies are just the big talk of the town. That's why so many of them are just getting you know, seeing these huge returns on a daily basis. But I think that in this case, there's going to be some smaller ones like Vaxart and potential, like in particular, I see Vaxart as like one that's going to potentially have a lot more room to grow just because it's actually producing something that's very um, big and prominent right now. And it's going to be kind of the new, like the new norm is COVID is going to be around forever. So why not just produce a better vaccine all around? And I think Vaxart is one of those potential candidates. So I could see easily see Vaxart, pick up again in the volume, everything like that, when people actually start realizing the legitimacy of the company. But yeah, as far as biofarms go, from historically speaking, there are a lot of biofarms that covered a variety of different like illnesses, cancers, that kind of thing. And they go through these phases of getting pumped really hard and then dropped immediately. And that could take the course of like literally one day or a week or two or even months of just rising and then all of a sudden just plummeting really fast. And that's, yeah. So right now, I think I wouldn't necessarily say it's like a golden age per, per se. I think it's just another shift in the biopharm industry where the, now the focus is just the va- next big vaccine company. And of course, there's always going to be like every now and then those companies that are like just literally 
lying about their numbers, that kind of stuff. But it's obviously not going to be as prominent as it used to be in the past because there's so many like regulatory things happening and other researchers and scientists reviewing their stuff that like if there's anyone that's lying, it's going to show really fast. But that's just, and that's just my general take on how I view the market. I could be completely wrong and we could be in a market where like literally the golden age and like literally all these pumps will probably never ever see again in the history of the stock market. But who knows? Yeah, I guess for me, I kind of look at it as there's just more attention on the biofarm sector right now because everyone is hoping like that one, you know, a vaccine is coming in two. Like they're hoping they pick the company that like makes the winning vaccine, which I think at this point we've kind of acknowledged, like we have to acknowledge that there's not just going to be like one company that has like, you know, everyone's like, oh, like Moderna and Pfizer are the first ones in the door. So they're the only ones that matter. But the Novavax's vaccine was just as effective, but it's like better for immunocompromised people. And then Vaxart's like, you know, potential it is also there for like different reasons. So I think just the pandemic kind of drew a lot of interest to biofarms that wasn't necessarily there before. Let's talk about the direction, right? Yeah, so I think the the next good portion for us to go into is just the industry direction as a whole. And we can kind of just go into the bearish and the bullish stance and kind of give y'all a few ideas about potential setups and other industries that may have been negatively or positively affected by the COVID vaccine in general. Um, <clears throat> I think a good part to start would be kind of the societal changes. Do you think the societal changes are going to affect other industries? You mean like once the vaccine is out? So, right. Yeah. Like, let's say like, yeah. And this, this is just us propping up, right? Cause as traders, we want to look at like the best potential setups for the future and like get, get behind that growth before it actually happens. So we can see those returns. Um, and I know like for a bullish stance, one of the things that I was focusing on and I've been looking at is like FinTech. Cause a lot of companies are starting to adopt like all these, like, you know, new ways of doing finance and doing transactions and things like that. So I think like for me, I'm looking at the FinTech industry and I think it's going to be booming more than it already has. Cause I think down the road it's just become the norm and that's going to be the new norm and how everyone lives and everyone's going to expect to be able to like purchase things without actually having to interact with someone. What's your take? I mean, I agree. I think people particularly our age and younger are, are definitely going towards that. I prefer it. I hate going into places, right? I hate it. Yeah, I think it's a good society shift. Just I, I think this has brought a lot of attention to the industry as a whole, right? I like, get a lot of good attention. So like people that weren't like myself, right? Like that once you know I wasn't looking at any of this shit beforehand, and now right, like it's it's one of the top. Like it's piqued my interest the most, I think, just in terms of um, like potential gains, right, that you can make um, mm-hmm. even off of penny stocks or something. Um, so I just think that like I think a lot of again the attention shifting to uh, this industry. Yeah. And I'm, I don't know, I kind of I like to focus a lot on the market market sentiment overall, just because I think that's that's what's ultimately going to drive which direction the market goes into. And I think looking at the covid industry, uh, that's obviously one big factor that's going to affect the overall market sentiment right now, because everyone's assuming now that there's vaccines out, that just only more are going to come out and we're able to go back to a normal way of life. And that's why that's what's keeping the market bullish. And our, in particular, I think it's like pretty euphoric. Just based off of like all the things we're seeing. Oh, yeah. And everything's just like blowing up. Like you look at the whole GME situation that took place and that one's like starting to die down a little bit. And then but I think overall everyone's bullish. And that's why there's so much money flowing into the market as a whole. 
So the, the volume, you think it'll sustain for a long so, time? Right? Yeah, so I think we're just on a, just basically starting like a new cycle. And I think the market's going to go through some corrections. Like we're in a euphoric phase. I think like a correction's bound to come just because everything's like running up, right? And getting these like six, seven day, like green days overall for the market in a row. Like that's like, it's pretty easy to see like, all right, there's going to be a correction that's going to happen. And typically the longer it takes, the bigger the correction is. Um, but I think overall, like if you look at the next 10 years, I think we're in a pretty good spot in terms of like overall growth. Like I think the market's going to be well above what it is now in the next decade, but that's my take on it. Oh yeah. No, I mean, I agree. Super euphoric right now. It's hard to lose money almost. Like yeah. You really kind of, you really got to kind of mess it up, not do any DD or anything like that. Jump into a stock when it's already at an all time high and then you lose some money. But yeah, I don't know. I think, uh, I don't know if volume I did ask, I did ask myself the same question, Jake, whether volume is sustainable. I don't know. I don't know if it necessarily at this rate volume will be sustainable because there are more people trading today than ever before. Yeah. By a margin. What is that margin? I don't even know. I don't know. I don't know if they have numbers on that yet. I, I mean, I, I saw an article. I can't remember which news outlet was, was also discussing it, but just the volume alone, uh, money wise, and like penny stocks, like that was up by like over a billion dollars. As of like a week ago or something. Oh yeah, that's true. Like just that alone, right? And so I can't speak for the other like the big names and stuff in these industries, but so so this will be interesting. So and Matt, I'd like your take on it as well. But as far as like the retail trading industry, that's gotten huge. Obviously, like when people were talking about it, hitting the news, that kind of stuff. So my question is, and I think that that's part of the volume that's going to all these penny stocks because most people like looking at cheaper stocks, being able to see that dollar stock turn into 10 20 even 100 bucks which is happening right now and wolf of wall street exactly wolf of wall street yeah <laughs> great movie um so do y'all think that the retail trading community is going to stay in this volume do you think it's going to stay the same decrease or even increase i think it can only decrease right see i take the opposite approach where like you know as more as it becomes more widely available as it becomes like more easily accessible um and then like especially you know, we have friends that like heard about our like success story so far and they're like, oh shit, like I want to hop into that too. Like, you know, just see like, you know, if I have money sitting on the side, like maybe I can make it a little bit more in the market. So I think personally, um, you know, as the technology is like becomes more widespread, becomes more available, it's only going to grow even further. Um, especially with, you know, if you look at the market you know, 20 years ago, there's no way we ever thought we would have had a Dow over 30,000. And I don't know, I think it closed like over 32,000 recently. Like, so just as more people can get into the market, I think it's just going to keep growing. And I think penny stocks are particularly attractive, like as going back to what you, you said, we're just, you know, you can buy into a stock at 25, 30 cents and it goes to $5 a share. That's, you know, several thousand percent return at that point. So yes, it's more risky than like the classic investor wants to like would do, but you know, when people are sitting at home in their mom's basement with their stimulus check, like it's perfect. It's just easy money that potential. I'm not my mom's. I'm my in-laws. It's, it's different. <laughs> yeah, you're it's, right. It's, it's different. Yeah. Why'd y'all look at me <laughs> like that? Move on with the conversation. Yeah. Your, in-laws, your in-laws upstairs. <laughs> yeah, my we're, bad. We're, we did this by choice. Sorry. I didn't do it because I had to. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's what they all say. Yeah. But no, I think it's a very valid point. I mean, I think. <laughs> even the retail trader like takes a loss they can leave literally the next day 
And I think once they get an inkling, though, and they get a taste of what it's like to actually partake in the market and they see what it can do for them, I think even if they do stop for whatever, a week, a month, even a few years, that eventually they're going to want to come back because they're gonna like, I'm going to take my next try at it and see you know, if, if everyone else is doing well, then like, why can't I? So I think that's where I'm kind of like thinking like that whole turnover rate of retail traders. I think it's like the volume's going to stay. And like, I personally think it's going to just keep increasing because, yeah, you look at like social circles and. Yeah, even though there's the volume of retail has like gone up immensely, it's still relatively small, especially when like you just like kind of look around and it's like how many of your friends are actually trading and then how many of those are actually starting to get in trading because they're just hearing you talk about it. I mean, that's pretty cool. And I think that's like a societal shift that we're currently seeing. And now you have all these brokers who are like literally like come be our customer and you get free untethered access to the market and you can trade whatever you want. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at our group, like there's, you know, five of us that would just like hang out, play games together. And back in March, there was like one, like you were trading like significantly. And like, I think Jake was trading like a little bit. Clay was trading like a little bit. And I mean, you know, Juan were out entirely. And then come now, it's like, you know, I'm trading pretty heavily. You're still trading heavily. Clay is trading really heavily as well. And then like now Juan's showing interest. And then like, just because we're having a conversation, you know, other people are also like, well, now I'm curious, like I put a little bit of money in and I made something, but what if I put more money in? So I think, you know, especially as it just becomes more common that people kind of talk about it and like we'll talk about their different plays or stocks that they're interested in. It just causes everyone to continue like gaining interest in like thinking, oh, maybe I can like, maybe I can do that too. I agree. I mean... What's better than riding or dying with your friend, you know, on this, <laughs> right? Like how many, how many people, I wonder how many people jumped in on GameStop because a friend was like, you got to do it. Like stick it to the big man. It's, honestly, every single person that I have heard made a trade on GameStop. I didn't know they traded before and they were all buying at like Highs. triple digits. Yeah. It's just, I can't believe and, it. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, we always preach it, but I mean, like our company is literally based on trying to teach people like the basics of stocks so that they can actually approach it with some sort of like base knowledge that can prevent them from hopping in and being the losers in the market. Yeah. Yeah. And buying GameStop at 300 something dollars a share. Unbelievable. I just can't believe it. It happened. We know people. I know people. We know people that did that. <laughs> yeah. I, I had someone in my lab that uh, bought at $300 a share and oh. I'm, you know, it went up a little bit more that day. I'm like, I need you to sell right now. And the next day it went from 300 cents. So she sold at like 330. She made her $30 profit. The next day it dropped down below $200. Boom wrecked she would have lost 100 or 100 bucks yep yeah and i have been seeing that a lot which is shocking and now people are continuing to hold gamestop no it's gonna come back and you just look at the company and the business model it doesn't make sense yeah if you knew anything about that like i mean you just would have turned your head you wouldn't even looked at it yeah you don't even know what you didn't even know what uh um rsi means and you don't you can tell that you wouldn't go into that stock I mean, I didn't realize GameStop was going to still remain in business, much less <laughs> be worth more like, than I, Ford I thought or that when Microsoft GM. partnered with them or picked them up or whatever, I thought that was like a clear sign that they're about to die. Yeah, it's like, why? Right? <laughs> yeah, Microsoft is like the grim reaper of small little things like that. And I yeah. think GameStop is pretty small now. Yeah, I mean, the market cap of, you know, GameStop passes the market cap of a company like Marriott. <laughs> they're like, in the... It doesn't really make sense. <laughs> Yeah, it's very true. GameStop hanging out with Tesla. It's crazy. What about the bearish? The bearish. Okay. Uh, so 
for me, I think bearish, I think focusing on the vaccine market in general right there. I think the bearish ones are going to be if you're in, like, currently in the big names right now, I think it's going to shift a little bit. I think there's a euphoric rise in all these just because that was kind of what was going to set the pace for where our country and the, and the world was going to go in terms of business and being able to get back out and everything. So I think a, some of them are pretty pumped up because of what because because of covid which is good for them now but i think in the future when the market becomes more saturated i think those are gonna become bearish where they're actually going to be pulling back to where they probably belong as far as a fundamental level goes in market cap um and that's kind of my take just on the vaccine market as a whole right now so and then yeah i think saturation yeah yeah and I, I think the other thing is the current stocks that are having these crazy euphoric rises because like tech, the tech industry, right? They're like a lot of things on the NASDAQ just boomed because of COVID. And I think a lot of them went way higher than what they're probably going to be currently valued at or like what they're going to be able to sustain in terms of operations as far as, yeah, they may be doing really well now, but I think in the future, like probably, I don't know how close that's going to be or how far, but I think in the future, there's going to be like a mass correction in these euphoric like rises and it's going to hit pretty hard. And I think that's like where part of the corrections are going to come. Like I think there's like these small bubbles and they're all getting ready to burst in my opinion even though the overall market might be bullish now just because of the fact that everyone's able to start working again, so on and so forth. I mean, yeah. I mean, I do agree bubbles are forming. How soon they actually pop, I don't know. I mean, if I look at some of those numbers of the number of retail traders or a number of, like, average daily volume since 2019, it's, like, doubled. Yeah. Like, so, like, in 2020, it was 10, $10.9 billion average daily volume. And at the beginning of 2021 so far, just January, February, it's $14.7 average daily volume. Whew. Of course, the beginning of the year is always it always a higher average, but um, but that's crazy. It's doubled since 2019. So I guess you're right. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong in the sense that I think there's going to be a recession in the number of daily or retail traders that are involved. Maybe even if it does come back a little, it's still going to be record highs, right? For me personally, like I think a lot of the tech stocks have kind of gotten overvalued um, during COVID, and. You know, a lot of people are looking at it like, oh, like there's no more need for business travel because, you know, we, we have Zoom and we have like all this virtual stuff. But having worked in uh, both sales and like, you know, hospitality in the bar environment for so many years, there's definitely something to be said for, you know, like people actually really do enjoy going to like whatever destination place and having their big conferences all together. It's like, you know, in person and like meeting people and that whole experience. And sure, like right now, that's, you know, fallen off almost 100% due to COVID. But I don't think there's any way that things will stay that way, like going forward. So I think the tech industry is going to have a pretty big correction at some point in the future when everything kind of settles down again. And the travel industry obviously will pick up again. Interesting. Jake, what about you? Do you see like any other things that we haven't already stated? No, I I, I think that... The, the, the like natural desire for humans to have that connection with other humans, I think that's going to, again, come back like Matt was saying uh, in a big way, and I think it will shift a lot of the interest, right? So just psychology wise, I think, uh, yeah, like we could see the interest, you know, in a lot of these industries that might be overvalued right now uh, within the last year. Um, I think that just like will divert the interest elsewhere. Um, but also, I mean, with just bio farms, like, I mean, if you have retail traders trading at this in large volumes. I mean, the odds are like they're going to get burned, right? Like, there's a lot of potential for burn here. Like, of just, I mean, yeah, just with my trading outs, experience, right? I've, I, I was always that guy that was like the loser yeah. in the end of those. But Matt, 
is the exact opposite. So, <laughs> so I think it's just your approach to it. And as a trader, if you're smart about it and you actually have a legitimate strategy rather than just hoping you get to catch this euphoric rise before it drops, I think you're going to get crushed then because it's going to work out for you a few times. But then it just takes one time to just really like knock you out of the game. Yeah. Unless you're like Matt and then you just like keep doing it right. So before we, before we go, one, I just wanted to thank Matt. Thank you for being here. This is awesome. You gave us a lot of newfound knowledge. I'll probably have to re-listen to certain parts like a thousand times to even understand the slide is what you were saying. Um, but that was awesome. I mean, that gives us a whole different take, a much more scientific take on the vaccine market as a whole. Well, that pretty much ends our podcast. Like we said, we just covered the biopharm vaccine industry as a whole and kind of went through everything like we usually do. Just kind of gave you the bullish bears take on it and where we think they know as a whole. So with that being said, y'all have a good one. Yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.